All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Blue Brothers Sportscast. I am Caleb, and with me, as always, is Brandon. And it's been a little bit of chaos recently, uh, vacation and other things going on in life. Uh, but we're back here recording this week, and I think we'll just go ahead and jump right on into it if you're ready, Brandon. Yeah, let's go. All right, so the first thing that we start off with is... Did you know? And Brandon, what do you know? (laughs) Well, I feel like I know a lot of things, uh, but... Tell us everything right now. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll give you one thing here. Uh, Found this online, it's kind of interesting. Uh, did you know that there are more trees on Earth than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy? That's there are three trillion trees on Earth and four hundred billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Oh wow! So it's like a huge yeah. Difference. Huh? I would not have guessed that. I would have not thought of that. I don't even know how they start counting trees. That's what I want to know. Yeah, well, I'm kind of also, how do you know that you counted all the stars in a galaxy? <laughs> right. Both both of those, I feel like, are questionable. Yeah, they probably, I mean, they probably took like a section and then they probably had some like big equation to figure out. A rough estimate. Yeah, a rough estimate. Yeah, and those are far enough numbers that you would still assume that even if they're both off that there are still are more trees than there are stars right interesting interesting well i'm I'm not gonna try to hijack the segment but there is something that i do have to share as a kind of a did you know thing um because it's on on subject of of this, but uh, it's been about a uh, TV show that we talked about recently. Okay. And so I just started uh, Stranger Things over from the beginning. And I've just watched episode one, and I probably enjoy it more now with all three seasons out than I w- did the first time I watched it. But there was a very, very interesting thing that I noticed with episode one. Oh, actually wait did i actually see two episodes maybe it was episode two either way um there was a very interesting thing that neither of us have ever discussed and i'm yeah. kind of shocked and disappointed so in uh one of the first episodes there is the scene where steve is uh man i can't think of her name now steve is in what's her name's room and they're studying um, whatever Mike's sister yeah Mike's sister whatever her name is um, and they are studying and there is a song playing in the background Brandon would you care to guess what song might be playing in the background Ugh. Um, is it Africa by Toto <laughs> oh my god <laughs> It was. I was. I was watching it, and then I was like, "Wait a minute! I know that song." 
See, the the reason I thought about that is because you and I always uh, joke that we made the song popular again. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, I was doing research on it once. I'm trying to figure out why that song became popular again. And they were showing, like, instances in the last few years of times that that song has been on TV. And I, I knew Stranger Things was on there. I just didn't know what episode it was or even what season. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, no, I completely forgot. I feel like we started noticing it after Stranger Things, or we started making a big deal out of it after Stranger Things. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was before, but yeah, that totally slipped under the radar either way. So I, ha- I had to mention it. It was important enough to mention. So Yeah, it was, it was also in the show The Goldbergs, like, last year or two years ago oh yeah Mm-hmm. so it'd have been roughly around the same time Mm-hmm. interesting seems kind of random but well we'll keep moving along because then we'll follow up with the scary stat of the week brought to you by the one and only brandon brandon our horror expert what are you going to uh what statistic are you going to freak us out with this week? Uh, I got some old school basketball stats here. Um, I actually kind of mentioned this in passing before about uh, how Pete Maravich put up some crazy numbers when he was in college. He played for LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the 1969-1970 season. Uh, that year, Maravich averaged 44 and a half points per game. Uh, He attempted 1,168 field goals, and he made 522 of them. Uh, He also shot 337 free throws, and he made 192 assists that season. Oh, what Uh, was the second? Huh? Did Did they have the free throw percentage? Uh, yeah, it was it was a seventy seven percent. Okay. And uh, the second highest scoring player on LSU that season was Danny Hester. He was the center, and he averaged sixteen point one points per game. <laughs> <laughs> so did, you know where the bulk of the points were coming from. It was coming from Pete every single game. Yeah. D- did you have uh, their record for that year? Did you mention that? Did I miss it? Uh no. But I, I mean, I can look it up here real quick. Yeah, be kind uh, of I believe he pretty much carried the team then. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering how successful they were still. You know, I mean, that, that can go so far, especially in college. But I don't know. I, I don't really know much with the records for his team. So They were 22-10. and 10. Eh. Uh, they, were, they were second in the SEC. So that's not, not too bad. Um, yeah. Actually, Pete Maravich's dad was the coach. I forgot to mention that, too. Oh, wow. I never realized that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but 50, well, I guess Hester was a forward, not a center. Although he was taller than a center that was on the team. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is the 1960s. There wasn't too many guys that were seven foot. I mean, you had like Wilt Chamberlain and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the center on the team was 6'7". The, uh, 
uh, Danny Hester was 6'8", and then Maravich, he was 6'5". Wow, I didn't realize he was so tall. Yeah, I didn't think he was that tall either. That kind of kind of surprised me. I thought he was like six foot, you know, nothing. I don't I don't know if I just put that in my own head or I thought I heard that somewhere. Huh. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um Yeah, that kind of surprised me. Weird. Did you know? Now <laughs> we know. All no right. one's half the battle. Yes, that's like a triple whammy for did you know we're learning stuff all over the place so uh next up rock rock moments of the week and this one is being brought to you by your detroit lions ladies and gentlemen i think they actually did something right and that that's the rock moment of the week. That's it. They did something right. No. Um, they, so shockingly enough, the Green Bay Packers let go Mike Daniels, um, who is a Pro Bowl defensive tackle. And the Lions came in and swooped him up as a free agent mm-hmm. and they now have what looks to be one of the most intimidating defensive lines in the entire NFL. So uh, they're paying him a lot and I think it's a good move. I think everybody thinks it's a good move, but I'm definitely interested to hear what Brandon has to say. Uh, we're actually going to turn this into a little bit of a topic discussion here, but that was the rock moment of the week because I thought it was important to mention that, the Lions actually did something good. Yeah. So what do you know about the situation or what are your thoughts, Brandon? Um, well, I saw a few days ago when he was released, um, it was a shock to everybody. I mean, it was all over Twitter. It was on uh road world, which is another, uh, website that I go to a lot for some news. Um, yeah, I mean, being a former pro bowl, uh, defensive tackle, that was back uh, two seasons ago in 2017. Um, I mean, it, it comes as a surprise. Uh, I didn't really even think the Lions would pursue him. I now wasn't sure where he was going to go. Uh, he's 30 years old, so I mean, he's he's starting to get up there. Uh, I mean, they can that uh, defensive defensive lineman can play a lot longer than a lot of different positions. Especially defensive tackles is what he plays. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy that the Lions got him. I mean, like I said, I was surprised that they even talked to him. I think the other day I was just sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'll check to see what Roto World says. And it says, oh, they, the Lions side them. And I'm like, well, that blindsided me. <laughs> <laughs> and I even, uh, you know, texted uh, my friend Jason and. You know, he was like, yeah, I saw that because, you know, he was on vacation at the time. Uh, I was, you know, I was busy with family stuff. So, you know, kind of caught both of us off guard. Yeah, I mean, it's a one year deal. So you can't really complain. I mean, for a player player of the caliber he is, you know, they're paying him one year, 9.1 million. uh, 7.8 of it is fully guaranteed. 
They're, pay, they're paying him more than what the Packers were going to do. Um, he was going to make 8.1 with the Packers if he came back for the next season. But, you know, you can't really complain about that. I mean, if he doesn't pan out this year, you don't have to worry about it next year. It's yeah. a one-off. Yeah, and so he's – so the, this season with the Lions is going to be his eighth season in the NFL as a total. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there, but not – not too bad. So yeah, and that this whole situation just feels like you know it can't really hurt too much, you know, um, mm-hmm. especially from what you were saying. So now, just a and this is completely by opinion. Then me asking this: Do you? Because he said Mike Daniel said that he was coming to Detroit because he wanted to play for Matt Patricia because of his defensive. Um, mentality and ability. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is more of a reason, or he was looking to stay in the division to be able to play against Green Bay? Yeah, I thought about both of those actually. Um, I mean, staying in the division to play against Green Bay kind of makes sense. Um, you know, there's probably some hard feelings there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we knew when Matt Patricia came in that he was one of the better defensive minds in the league, uh, just from his years in New England, mm-hmm. uh, working under Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, so you knew there was going to be guys coming in that wanted to play for Patricia. Uh, you know, Snacks Harrison being another one of those guys who's going to be playing probably right next to Daniels. Uh, I was actually looking over the numbers the other day. And dude, they got some huge guys that are gonna be playing on the defensive line now. That's so you got snacks. Snacks, he's like six three and he weighs three hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> and then he got Daniels, who he's roughly the same height and he weighs about three hundred and ten, three fifteen. And then he got A. Sean Robinson, who's about the same height and he weighs uh probably around about three twenty five. <laughs> so Daniels beat goes from being like one of the bigger guys on the Packers line to being one of the smaller defensive tackles in the Lions. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. And I mean, along with those guys, they added uh, Trey Flowers and, and free agency from New England uh, this year. That was the big, big signing they had. Um, you know, he's more of the pass rushing kind, but he's he can also he can play inside and outside, so that brings mm-hmm. a lot of versatility there. Uh, they got Deshaun Hand, who was one time pursued by Michigan, uh, coming out of high school, and he ended up going to to USC. Or no, he went to Alabama, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he went to he went to Alabama. But uh, another versatile guy, he can play inside and out. Uh, he he's a second year guy. Last year he was he was really good. I believe he was the highest. Highest rated uh, rookie defensive lineman by Pro Football Focus last year. Oh, nice. He was number one, and then Mo Hurst was number two with the Raiders. Uh, so adding those guys in there, and then they got uh, Rome- Romeo Aquara. They got from the Giants last year. He's another kind of pass wrestling specialist from the outside. So the Lions defensive line is looking pretty good this year. Yeah. At least on paper, we'll say that. <laughs> Yeah, show me, don't tell me. <laughs> exactly. So we will um, we'll be watching that as that goes. I mean, preseason is 
right upon us. So we'll get a chance to see a little bit here before you know it. So <laughs> any any other thoughts or comments on uh, Mike Daniels or the effect on the Lions? Um, not really. I mean, last year we kind of struggled stopping the run. And, I, yeah, I don't really see that being a problem this year. Uh, knock on wood. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, the the lines are always good to surprise. But I mean, even when we added uh, snacks last year, it, he really helped us out. He fixed that that deficiency there against the run. Nice. Yeah. So don't uh, nothing guaranteed yet, but definitely looking like stock for Detroit, uh, at least defensively, is on the way up. So mm-hmm. and. We will then switch things here, uh, up here, change gears, and next topic of discussion. Uh, it's a little bit in the past. Uh, the Big Ten media days came and went. Uh, if you sit on top of it, then you probably heard all the major stories, but we're going to discuss uh, a few of them here just to take the opportunity to talk about them um, because this is a sports cast and we do talk about sports. So it's getting uh, very deep into the prep for football season, both professional and college. So we're going to take some time to talk about the Big Ten Media Days, and we've got a couple takeaways couple things worth mentioning. Um, most of them pertaining to specifically to things around Michigan. And uh, probably the first thing that I saw blow up uh, dealing with Michigan football, Harbaugh specifically, I think this was, was the first thing we're trying to put it in order here, is that Harbaugh was asked a question by a media member about Urban Meyer. <laughs> then Harbaugh answered qu- said question from the media. Um, and they were just commenting. Uh, he was commenting on Urban Meyer, his legacy at Ohio State, things of that nature. And uh, he commented on his success. But before he was done with his comment, he made a statement along the lines of controversy follows Urban Meyer wherever he goes. Um Nothing really false with that statement. Nothing. Um, I mean, if you want, if like, cause then people were just like, well, what about when he came from Utah or we came from the Mac? And it's just like, okay, well, I think you're completely like missing the point because it was pretty obvious what happened at Florida and what happened, the issues that happened at Ohio state. So, uh, it is what it is. It's one of those, those things that I'll say wasn't really necessary. I I mean, I really like Jim Harbaugh. It doesn't mean that I think Jim Harbaugh always does the makes the best decisions. And with that, it's kind of like it is what it is. Uh, people freaked out about it without even understanding context. And the thing that I find the most hilarious about it is the people who are the people, the individuals, the people who are not paying attention are trying to bash Jim Harbaugh for making comments after Urban Meyer left, which is really stupid considering he was asked a question. So he answered the question. He's going to talk yeah, about and Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Har- he answered it truthfully. Yeah. 
There was so nothing not, that he fabricated. Yeah, I'm not really bothered by it, but it's more of one of the things, like what I said. Was it necessary? No. It's said it's done. Well, and so how did you feel with that? Um, you know, basically like what I just said, um, he, he said it truthfully, you know, I couldn't really argue anything he said. And like you said, he was, it was straightforward. He, he was asked a question. He answered it. Um, I don't think he really tried to like bash urban Meyer in any way. He just, you know, said wherever the guy goes, either there's controversy that follows. And then he mentioned how, like, I believe you mentioned before that. Didn't he say something about him having a great record? Yeah, yeah, he accomplishing a lot. Yeah, he complimented him. So yeah, and then he, you know, he just kind of said, you know, wherever he goes, controversy follows. I mean, it's it's factual. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it is what it is, and it's not like he was saying it with an attitude. He just it was a statement. He said it, and that was Mm kind of it. There were there were some groups that really were upset about it and then there were other news outlets that attached onto it and it was just like Jim Harbaugh said something that was true and people are upset about it. <laughs> so <laughs> but uh keeping on the topic then of Michigan football and things that Jim Harbaugh said, uh, another thing that occurred at Big 10 Media Days was an interesting conversation and I, when it happened, I read um, the whole thing kind of in order. And I'm not sure now, because uh, I was trying to find the specific article I was uh, looking at before, but I couldn't exactly the progression of this conversation. But Jim Harbaugh was talking about things with uh, transfers for college players. And in the conversation... At one point, he mentions that he thinks that college football players should just be able to automatically transfer and be eligible to play immediately once. Like, you do it one time, you're immediate elig- immediately eligible to play somewhere else, that's it. Like, there's no process, yada, yada, whatever. But in that same conversation, he talked about an issue that he identified quote unquote recognized on how in some of these conversations with transfers, since they're not always eligible to play right away, that some players are citing uh, mental health for the reason to help their uh, appeal to be eligible to play right away. And the way that Harbaugh talks, it wasn't expressed very well and it's kind of twofold because it wasn't expressed very well on how he was talking about the mental health issue. He was um, saying how it, the way that it came across to me was that he was saying it from the aspect of with the way that they're not eligible right away, it may encourage some people to use mental health as a way to help their appeal when that might not really be the case. Um, and not downplaying mental health, but just stating how some people might be using it uh, as a benefit to them and not when it's a real case of mental health. But Mm -hmm. then in the same situation, how it makes it worse is that there was an athlete um, 
Hudson, who transferred from Michigan, and that was part of his transfer, uh, was citing mental health, and people immediately put two and two together. Now, was he specifically thinking of just Hudson? Who knows? Uh, there has been have been other issues throughout college football where that has come up um, that I've heard with mental issues with player transfers. So either way, it probably wasn't really, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the urban Meyer comment where it's like, okay, it wasn't really necessary and it didn't really help because there was so much um, taken from that conversation about his, weird conversation about mental health that his discussion about just the transfer rule in general was completely overlooked. So he kind of shot himself in the foot with those comments. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really think it was anything really all that bad. Um, But one of those things where sometimes Harbaugh says things that are either weird or not exactly clear. And then his main point gets overshadowed so uh were you familiar with that whole situation brandon uh i only saw bits and pieces of it and you and i briefly talked about it today um you know i feel like a lot of times when harbaugh says things uh you know he's 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 a different guy he approaches things differently than most people (laughs) it's kind of hard to figure out his train of thought on things and you know, he could make a great point and then have like this one part that's a little bit questionable. And that's what everybody focuses on. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it was really derogatory in any kind of way. Um, maybe just misguided. And I mean, he's not going to be a guy that's going to sugarcoat things for people to make things more PC or anything like that. Um, and like I said, he's he's got a different way of thinking. Yeah, well, he even said that he um, he he made a comment at one point. I can't remember where it was in this whole thing, but it was during the media days, I believe, where he said, you know, uh, I think it was in reference to this whole statement about uh, Urban Meyer on Ohio State, where he's just like, why do people and I'm paraphrasing here and I'm not saying that he used these exact words, but essentially, why do people tiptoe around things and, you know, not just say what they mean to say? It's just like you say it and it is what it is. That's, that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, he, he's like that. And I mean, he's been known to say unusual things. And then also he sometimes has an unusual train of thought. So it, it is what it is. Um, I mean, I think by now when we're talking about, it's kind of blown over it, it kind of exploded. And some people in the media were trying to beat it to death. And, um, Current players, former players came to Harbaugh and Michigan's defense because then it was an attack on uh, Michigan's football um, football team and facilities about how they handle mental health. And then um, some coaches uh, jumped on board um, defending how they handle mental health and uh, Johnny Bacon – uh, made comments as well and cited some things that have been a long history with uh, Michigan football and actually things with mental health. So people were talking out of hand 
about things that they didn't really know. I mean, it's one thing to question it, you know, question how Michigan handles mental health then from those comments. Yeah. Yeah, That's fine. You know, you, you, it, the way he made it come across definitely opened up that conversation to be questioned, Mm -hmm. but to make statements that Michigan or the coaching staff or things like that don't know how to handle mental health and the media jumping on that train was quite drastic all in the same time that this is happening. And I'm not sure exactly how it set up that it came out at the same time or cause I think it was the same day or whatnot, but someone spoke with uh, Hudson's mom and about how the coaching staff handled that. And uh, she was very disappointed about how that was handled. So that kind of fueled the fire of the conversation, but that, that's difficult to say because that's like a two minute video conversation of her comments compared to the two minutes of conversation that you have with Jim Harbaugh and his unusual comments about players and mental health. So yeah, you can't, you can't, I would say prove anything from that and not saying um, that there needs to be anything proven because I'm always one that's fine with questioning things. Mm-hmm. But then when people jump on something and just state it for fact or whatnot from limited information is kind of overboard. Yeah. So, um, but probably the thing that we'll hang on here for a little while and talk about uh, involving the media, involving the media days. There were plenty of other things that went. Oh, actually, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. You had something, Brandon, for me, Big Ten Media Days. <laughs> yeah, it's a little interesting. Uh, you know, along with Hardwall talking, we got some of the other coaches as well in the um, in the Big Ten. Um, and there was kind of a an interesting take that Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach of Northwestern, had. Uh, they were talking about. Uh, attendance for games and how the numbers were dwindling a little bit. And uh, he told a story about being out to dinner with his wife one night. And he said there was a two sets of couples and a table next to him. They were younger and everybody was playing on their phones and nobody was talking to each other. And he said that he can kind of see that the same way is uh, the attendance for the games is that the younger people are uh, more reliant on technology and, you know, not really paying attention to the things. He, you know, equated it to going to a concert and seeing everybody holding their phone up, taking videos and pictures. And he said, you know, nobody's going to go back and watch those videos. They just want to post them on Facebook and Twitter and everything just to be like, hey, you know, look how awesome my life is. I get to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get to go do this. Um, and, and he mentions that, you know, people that grew up going tailgating every weekend and, you know, being out there with the whole college football atmosphere and everything like that, uh, they're getting older and, you know, the younger people are more apt to, you know, have parties at their house to watch the game on TV. Um, <laughs> you know, I understand like the point he's trying to get to, but th- there's so many things that go into it. Oh yeah. Um, th- you know, the first thing I would say is that tickets are way too expensive. <gasps> no. <laughs> like I know, 
you know, I would try to go to one. I think I went to two games in one season was the most. Um, and that was just going like the StubHub and getting lucky and finding tickets for under 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then if we're talking about the big house, the seats are tiny. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people packed in there that it's so crowded. Like you have somebody's knees in your back, somebody's back. Oh my. So the last time I went to a game, uh, like I went with my wife and we, you know, we saw you there at halftime. We were talking to um, the people that were sitting in front of us were an older couple and they were just like crowding us, bumping into us. And it got to the point towards the end of the game where the, the woman that was sitting in front of me backed up so far back that she was almost resting against my crotch. Uh, like I'm not even being dramatic. I had to open up my legs so she could keep like leaning back. And it was getting to the point where she was literally like two inches from my crotch. Awkward. Yeah. And then finally, like I just, when she stood up, I put my knees together and she like flung herself back and my knees crammed right into her back. (laughs) And she turned around and like padded my knees and like tried to almost pull my knees apart so she could lean back. (laughs) Yeah, and then like it got to the point where people were sitting behind us left, so I just moved up a row. Like I can't take this anymore. Um, I mean, that's another aspect that goes into it. You got lines for the bathroom, lines for expensive concessions, mm-hmm. uh, lines to get out, lines to get in. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're at the big house, I mean, you got to park. Uh, you got to pay for parking. Sometimes you have to park far away. You got to walk to the stadium. Uh, I mean, pluses about going to it is you get that atmosphere. Uh, you know, I always tell people that I've never been to the big house that they need to go just to experience being in a crowd of that large and watching a game. Um, I mean, it's something you, you can't really explain with words. Uh, I mean, tailgating is fun and cool, walking around, seeing, you know, there's always people dressed up in crazy outfits and everything, and it's just, it's just a cool atmosphere. But, I mean, just all the annoyances you got inside the stadium. Uh, I know I was related to uh, People Suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could go through all that. I mean, you could just stay home. You could save some money. Um, you know, you can buy, like, a whole case of beer. And you can't, I mean, you can't drink at college games. But, I mean, if, like, we'll talk about Lions games, too. You know, you buy one beer at a Lions game, it's like $9. You can buy yourself like a 12-pack for the same price. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, um, yeah, like you said, a lot of different things go into it, but it is quite interesting that it's coming from Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern because I don't know what their attendance is, but their the capacity of their stadium is just over 47,000. Mm-hmm. So it's like you guys are right there in Chicago and you're having a hard time filling your stadium you're saying for attendance. I mean, you're talking about attendance, but when I go to games, I don't really see people on their phones. I mean, I understand what he means where, you know, people are on the phones way too much in general, but uh, as far as that football games, I don't see it all that much. I mean, unless maybe it's specific sections like, if you're really close to the field, people do it more. I, I don't know. But the interesting thing with Northwestern is their ticket prices are not bad. I'm I'm on there online right now, and you can get yeah. tickets 
like their most expensive tickets outside of the most expensive game um is 60 or wait that's not even at northwestern where's the most expensive one at northwestern 27 dollars <laughs> uh is is how low it goes for that game how low it goes for that game um so you can get t- for their most uh for their second mo- most expensive game you can get tickets for as low as $27. Their most expensive game is Ohio State, but even still like you can get can get tickets as low as $123. I mean that mm-hmm. honestly I mean is not really outrageous. Um but yes, it it is kind of interesting because if you want to get good seats so let's just say two people are going you want to get good seats, you're talking about, you know, easily 400 to $500 for tickets if you want yeah. good seats to a good game. And I saw it was very interesting because I didn't really think about it, but you can go out now and you can buy a pretty darn good TV for 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then you can watch all the games. And as you just said, you don't have to deal with all that other crap that you just mentioned. So, yep. and I mean, you got a, you got a nice comfortable seat. You got room. Everybody, you know, if you have a party, everybody's making stuff and bringing it. You get good food. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, you can sit there and you can have a, you can have a beer. Um, you can get up and go to the bathroom. You don't have to worry about waiting in line or having to be filthy, dirty. You know. Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, with the date, with the times of like having a DVR, you know, if you have to go up and run to the bathroom and it's like during the game, you could pause the game and then just re, you know, play it once you come back. Yeah, you don't have to, and that goes back to the long lines because if you have to get up and you have to go use the bathroom and there's a long line. There's a chance you're going to come back. You're going to miss something before you get back. Yeah, and I mean, how many times has that happened to you? Like, I know it's happened to me before. Um, mostly in like hockey games. Like, oh man, I have to go to the bathroom. I can't hold it anymore. So you run off, and then you like you miss a goal or something. Yeah. Or I know what happened to me. I went to a Def Leppard concert, and uh, I went to run to the bathroom really quick. Went down. I was at DTE in in Clarkson, and. I went to the bathroom. The one was like closed because it was towards the end of the night. Like, oh man, so I got to go find another one. It's open. So I run to another one. And then finally that one's open. And when I'm coming back, they started playing uh, pour some sugar on me. So I missed that (laughs) all because I had to go find a bathroom. That's my song. (laughs) (laughs) And then with that too, you're walking back. There's so many people around and it's dark and you can't see where like, the group of people you're with are at. Yeah. So you spend like the next 15 minutes trying to find your, your party of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot more that go. And I'm, I, I'm going off of what you said too. And I think we're in agreement that there's a lot more that goes into this than just to say it's electronics. Cause I mean, like it boils down to a bunch of different things. And, you know, I mean like, Certain people really love the game day experience. Certain people don't really love the game day experience. So, yeah, it. I mean, I'm sure over the years we're going to see things shift with that, and it is probably going to come down to, I don't know if in Northwestern's case, because, like I said, their tickets are, you know, pretty, inex- I mean, really inexpensive compared to um, Michigan tickets because, yeah, they've got two games where the lowest tickets are – three dollars four dollars six dollars so i mean michigan gets down to just what like 50 
Actually, I'm go yeah, check. I think the cheapest I've ever paid for a ticket is forty-five. I want to see. Up. Oh. And I mean that's secondary market. I mean that's uh, you know SeatGeek or StubHub or something like that. Yeah, they have on here the two <laughs> lowest uh, lowest price tickets that you can find right now. You know, are for Middle Tennessee and Rutgers. They're both saying twenty four dollars <laughs> but after that you're getting into like forty five dollars so I mean but then by then you're talking about like deep end zone top of the stadium blah 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 yeah and then you get service fees and stuff on top of that yeah and who who like of I mean I understand that some people do that but when I go I want a decent experience at least so I'm not going to get... Yeah, I mean, I like sitting in the end zone area because you can see the whole field pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be sitting up at the top. You know, I'll at least try to go in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's an interesting conversation, interesting thing that uh, Pat Fitzgerald brought up. But, yeah, it's it's bigger than that. I mean, I agree with what he's saying in general, Mm. But with attendance to games and everything, there it's so many elements going into that. So, anyways, uh, last thing to take away from Big Ten uh, Media Days is that the media um, who have correctly predicted the Big Ten champion for the past two years has voted that Michigan is going to win the Big Ten conference. So Michigan was in first with 17 votes, and then in second place was Ohio State with 14. And then the next uh, ones to receive, receive votes are Nebraska and Northwestern. Where the heck is, like, Nebraska coming from? I find Yeah, that I don't so, get it either. Yeah, like, they were not that good. Last year, I mean, I know it was kind of a weird whatever. Um, I guess you can say about it, but still, it's just like they, I mean, they were pretty bad last year. But then, of course, Wisconsin's not doing well, and Northwestern won at last won the conference last year. So, I mean, yeah, they finished four, three, and six in the conference. So yeah, I don't, I don't get weird. I know people think highly of their coach and, um, you know, Martinez, their quarterback, he showed some promise. uh, But, I mean, is it really enough to carry that team? Yeah. Uh, Is it (laughs) enough to make that big of a change from last year to this year? Yeah. I I could see them competing in the future, but to go from three and six, which I don't even know if that's last in their division, but – I'm going to look that up right now. But, yeah, so uh, Coach Harbaugh was asked about it, and they were – and Harbaugh said, you know, that's where he would put them uh, Mm -hmm. for the best chances to win. So, yeah, they – Illinois is probably the worst, right? Yeah, Illinois was the worst last year, and then Nebraska was right after that. I mean, they were tied with Minnesota, but then you had Purdue, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern 
in front of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I, I see them doing better, but to win the division, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Minnesota might be doing better this year anyways, too. So anyway, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the media is predicting Michigan winning the big 10. Obviously they're favoring the, uh, Eastern division because then Ohio state is the next one coming up and everybody's been commenting about how the East division is just a slew of, you know, heavy hitter teams, you know, cause you've got yeah. Ohio state, Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, Michigan state, you know, either competing in the big 10 title game regularly or, uh, just, uh, on the edge of competing to get into it. And then basically the teams in the West, you've only had, gosh, I think I was looking at it in the past six years were, well, we've only had the East and West for so long. I think in the, past four years it's like three out of four were wisconsin or something like that yeah that sounds about right and what's another one iowa yeah i think that's it i think it was um uh since it turned into east and west yeah here we go east and west oh well i'm forgetting last year sorry northwestern so there have been five years with the east and west and three of those years it's been wisconsin Mm -hmm. and both times uh, there was the other teams, they barely like squeaked past Wisconsin. So yeah. Then on the other side, you've got, well, I mean, you've three out of the five years was Ohio state. Yeah. So, but. and I mean, and even the teams that aren't as good in the East could still beat a lot of the teams in the West, like Indiana. Yeah. I think Indiana could beat most of the teams in the West. Yeah. Yep. No, for sure. I mean, like you, as you take the top four teams for the East, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State, and then you look at the top teams for the West. I mean, really, the only one, and even last year was not a very good year for them. Wisconsin, like mm-hmm. everybody else, it's just like, yeah, those four would either easily beat them, or in most cases beat them maybe not a guaranteed win but in most cases so yeah there's just a lot pointing to the east being way jam-packed with good teams because yeah indiana is still a good team maryland had i mean they wound up going three and six but um they wound up being a competitive team last year yeah yeah they had a lot of injuries it seems like every year they have about two or three quarterbacks that get injured yeah so, but then the West does have their Illinois, Illinois to the East Rutgers, but yeah, I don't know. I, and it, it was a little weird last year with how poorly Nebraska did. Cause usually Nebraska is at least in the middle, if not mm-hmm. uh, on the upper side. So, but then you're also dealing with just inconsistent teams because Northwestern and Iowa are so inconsistent. Like they're, they're always good at some point. Yeah. But they don't ever, you know, have a streak of, hey, three years in a row, we're either in the Big Ten title game or, you know, the first team out. Mm-hmm. It's like they're either at the top or they're way down at the bottom and then they come back up. So, yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing is that so many teams in the West are just inconsistent, while in the East you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State all competing at a high level like each and every year. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it'll be interesting to see if that's three years in a row that the media has picked the correct Big Ten champion. Uh, we will be discussing more about our predictions for uh, Michigan in general lines as well as certain point and then the division, uh, the conference and things of that nature. But that is not today. That is another day coming. So stay tuned for that. Uh, did you have anything else to mention real quick on that topic before we move along? No, I don't think so. Okay. One thing I have down here that I forgot to mention Um before we jump to the next thing is that uh, somebody shared that Michigan is currently in its longest big 10 title drought in 120 years of big 10 play. Oh, yep. So that needs to stop. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Yeah. So. Put, put simple. Yes. It needs to stop. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, I mean, I guess talking about garbage, you know, it's appropriate to go ahead and do this. Garbage day! All right, it's time for Garbage Play. This is where we bring you some absolute trash from this past week. And have I got one for you, friends? Yes, I do. So let's go ahead and visit the NFL. And the NFL always has the best fans ever. And last year, there was drama, 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 as there always seems to be recently, because the NFL likes to create drama. And brought to you er, this week is a Louisiana judge has ordered that the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, and three officials from January's NFC title game be questioned under oath in September about the no call, the quote unquote no call that occurred in the game and helped the Rams beat the Saints. A league <laughs> spokesman declined to comment, and this lawsuit seeks seventy five thousand dollars in damages, which if awarded will be donated to charity. The state civil district court judge Nicole Shepard of New Orleans ruled earlier this month that the lawsuit could proceed. Other lawsuits have previously been presented, but they went to federal court and they failed. The reason why this one is has potential with it and is proceeding is because it is avoiding the federal court by keeping the damages uh, a low figure. And this is the Lamon lawsuit. So... Saints fans, oh my gosh. <laughs> they just can't let it go. I just don't even know what to say. Like, really, guys? I, uh, it just, we talked about this after that happened and how they were going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, oh, well, the Super Bowl would have been different if we were there. You know, the Patriots wouldn't have won. The Eagles, or not the Eagles, the Rams shouldn't even have been there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw the play. It was a terrible no call, but they're so spoiled now. The the Saints fans, I swear, ever since Drew Brees has been there, they just kind of forget how their franchise was before that. Yeah. I mean, they were arguably worse than the Lions 
<laughs> I mean, uh, there was years and years of just failure there in New Orleans. Um, you know, and then they won the Super Bowl, and, you know, Drew Brees keeping them at least a decent team the whole time. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about terrible calls? Like, there's a whole catalog of them that have happened in Lions games oh, that yeah. have, like, and- determined the outcome of a game. And, I mean, how many rules they've changed after, like, missed calls in Lions games? It's just, you know, cry me a river. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and some of them coming in important games, like playoff games. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, this is a bigger deal. Yeah, okay, it's a championship game, which Detroit hasn't been in. But still, it's just like, deal with that. I mean, I still go back to, and it annoys the crap out of me. Um, I can't remember if, because it was, I, th- I think it was the playoff. Wait, no. Wait, did Detroit play the Saints in the playoffs? Um, yeah, a few years ago. Okay, so maybe that's what it was. There was the uh, Detroit Saints game, or Lions Saints game, and there was the Saints were trying to run down the clock, um, so that Detroit couldn't get the ball back. And I'm pretty sure it was like a fourth and one. Drew Brees goes and he keeps the ball and he jumps over the pile, extends the ball. Breaks the 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 plane, then brings it back, and like falls on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how does that count? Because <laughs> isn't that the exact same thing as a runner running forward a couple yards and then running backwards? Because mm-hmm. you know you br- you he brought it back. He brought it back. Yeah. And so that that thing annoyed me forever because i thought that was the dumbest thing because it's just like that's not where the it's not a touchdown if it was a touchdown (laughs) then yeah fine so i mean there there's an instance right there between detroit and um new orleans that was a stupid case i mean like you said too there's a long list that detroit can go ahead and mention and be like you know deal with it but yeah yeah. i mean if you want to like get into that i mean there's a couple that come to mind like right off the the top of my head, uh, you know, the playoff game against the Cowboys where they threw the pass interference flag, picked it back up and said there was no pass interference, even though Brandon Pettigrew was getting like mugged by this linebacker. Yeah. And that pretty much stalled out a, you know, a comeback drive that we had going. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one I think of is uh, the Seahawks and Monday night football a few years ago where Kelvin Johnson caught the pass got to the one the ball was batted out and then uh i believe it's kj Wright, linebacker for the seahawks like batted the ball out of the back of the end zone which is a penalty and it wasn't called yep and they, they gave the ball to the seahawks <laughs> yep i remember that uh, uh and then the last one that comes to mind um is the 10 second runoff call that was two years ago with the lions where golden Tate caught a pass uh, he was ruled down at the one yard line and there's some call with running 10 seconds off the clock. Well, he was down and touched at 11 seconds, but they didn't like stop to replace the, they didn't stop the clock to replace the ball until there was like, like nine seconds or something like that. So they had the 10 second runoff and it was the end of the game. <laughs> 
uh-huh. or something ridiculous like that. I I didn't get to see the game live because I was in a wedding at the time. But I remember seeing replays of it, and it, they kept showing the play over and over and over. And you know, every time I saw it, I'm like, you know, there was 11 seconds on the clock when he was down, so we should have at least had one second to run a play. Yeah. Yep. And that's just a little of the long list. Mm-hmm. So, good job, Saints fans. I hope you guys are happy with that. Honestly, I feel like the NFL should just go in and be like, okay, we'll pay you $75,000 just because this is stupid and you'll, we'll just pay you. It's just like, just end it. We'll settle. Give you 70. That's what you want. Here's $75,000. You don't get anything else. You don't get us to testify. You don't get us under oath. It's just like, here's $75,000. Walk away. This is stupid. (laughs) We'll even print up NFC championship shirts for you guys. Yeah, there you go. Heck, they were probably printed somewhere. And we'll have Tom Brady and Drew Brees play each other in a game of cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever wins gets to, gets to claim the Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. Oh, made to have those two guys in a foot race. <laughs> 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 I think it, Brees would probably take that one <laughs> as much yeah. as I like Tom Brady. <laughs> I think you're right. Oh, man. Which, by the way, if you have, I think we may have mentioned it at some point, but if, if you have not noticed that uh, Tom Brady is on Twitter and you're on Twitter, you should follow because there is some pretty inter- uh, entertaining stuff from there. So, yeah, definitely. All right. But here we're coming to the end of things. And we always, uh, before we end the show, always have to have our two minute drill uh, where we throw as much as we can at you. Sports, both sports and non-sports related. Brandon, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's roll. All right, let's do this. All right, this is the week. There is officially going to be football on TV this Thursday. The Hall of Fame game, Denver versus Atlanta, 8 p.m. Eastern, NBC. Watch it. Brandon. Uh, The Lions cut running back Theo Riddick. Uh, He was cut to make room for Mike Daniels. Caleb. In uh, Michigan football, Denard Robinson has been confirmed to serve as an assistant coach this season at Jacksonville University per head coach Ian Shields. Brandon. Uh, former Detroit Lion uh, Golden Tate was suspended four games for performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, he claims that the drugs that he was caught with were fertility drugs. Caleb. Uh, in Big Ten football news, Alabama and Wisconsin announce a home-and-home home series for the 2024 and 2025 seasons. Pretty confident that Saban probably won't be there for those. Brandon. Uh, Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott is holding out for a new contract. Uh, right now, he's kind of waiting things out and trading in Mexico, of all places. Caleb. On this day in 1991, MTV announced that it would split into three channels. Brandon. The movie The Lion King has made a worldwide box office total of $543.6 million so far. Caleb. I'm going to make a statement about Urban Meyer. He is set to debut a new podcast about leadership, culture, and behavior. 
let that sink in. And Brandon, did you have anything else or were you done? Oh, the last one I've got is Corey Coleman, uh, wide receiver for the Giants. Uh, he tore his ACL in minicamp, and uh, to make up for it, the Giants signed former Lion TJ Jones to take his spot. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your two-minute drill. Can't get mad at me about the Urban Meyer comment because that is just stating a fact. I'll let you And think. he's... He hasn't come out with an episode. He's already got more listeners than us. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at it? Did I look at it? Oh, yeah. Like, is it actually, uh, is there actually something up or are you? Dude, I'm making an assumption. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure I'm if, like. Saying, I'm just saying, like, uh, that turd is going to have his own podcast. And he's going to have more listeners than us. Oh, well, you know who has more listeners than us, I'm sure, is Zach Smith. Mm hmm. Like God, I can only imagine that half are listening because they actually care, and the other half are listening because he's an idiot. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You're an idiot. So, yep there there you go. There's your two minutes. Which then, um, last thing we want to mention before we uh, cut this off then is the question of the week. So next week we are going to, with the preseason fully upon us, we are going to be talking about uh, the Lions and the NFL and some thoughts and predictions for the upcoming season. So what we want to know from you guys, and we've talked about it a little bit on social media and our Facebook and things like that. Um, What is your prediction for the Lions regular season record? But we also want to know who you think will win the NFC North. So uh, the divisions that the Lions are in, who's going to win? That's our question this this week. We'd appreciate uh, your feedback or thoughts, feedback, interaction, and everything. It'll go towards our conversation then uh, next week, and we will share your guys' thoughts. Brandon, anything else to mention? Um, no, not really. I guess I mean along as along with uh, you know, what what do you guys think about the Lions, and what do you think of? the NFC North, uh, maybe drop in, you know, a few players that you're interested to see in the preseason that you'll be watching. Um, you know, maybe it's new acquisitions from free agency, uh, trades or, you know, new rookies that were drafted. Interested to see what everybody's uh, looking forward to watch. Sounds good. Yes. Cause we'll be talking a lot of lines next week and some about the NFL in general. So, Uh, We appreciate you guys listening in this week. We hope that things are going well for your summer, that you're able to enjoy some of it, get out, and, uh, well, wherever you are, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy some nice weather at some point. And as we have been doing for weeks on end now, we will send you off with one of the greatest songs ever written by the infamous band Dragon Sound. And until next time, go Blue. Go blue.